All right, all right. Let's uh, let's let's uh, go back to Philippians with me, chapter number one. Philippians chapter number one. And um, so this is uh, I, I didn't necessarily mean for this to happen like it did, but um, we've been in this Philippians deal for for some time now. Uh, this is fourth week, and um, and and it's kind of crazy uh, because. And for the record, uh, you're probably wondering where some of our regulars are. Uh, uh, Candace and, and Daniel, uh, we still use it out there, but they took people from in here out there uh, out there because uh, them and, and then Charlie's on a work trip, Nicole's uh, with Candace and Daniel, and so they went on a little vacation for a few days. And, and uh, so, so we've got some of our people that are normally in here, they're out there, so... Uh, have a good time with the kids, and so praise the Lord for them being able to do that. But um, with the, this being the the fourth week, uh, let me let me kind of last week I went back over everything because I knew that the kids was going the teens was going to be in here, and uh, I, you know it'd be kind of hard to catch you know unless we caught them up. And I give you a little outline tonight. I I don't you know whatever. Uh, Sometimes them outlines are a little overrated, especially on Wednesday nights for me. Um, but nonetheless, I give you one. Uh, we, we've, we've been dealing for the last several weeks about uh, the joy that we've seen uh, that come from, from the gospel. Uh, and, and when I say that, I, I think that's cliche for a lot of us. Um, because we, we hear that word, the gospel, all the time. In church and and man, I, you know sometimes I think we overlook the fact that there is a lot of gospel joy to be had. Like like we we can really have joy in the gospel. For one, uh, we dealt with this idea of fellowship in the gospel. Uh, we dealt with that for for a, a week and how we have fellowship with each other. Uh, based around the gospel, and, and that's a big deal. That's a really big deal. It's a big deal for me uh, because I, you know, w- when you're you're pastoring a church, uh, sometimes the only fellowship, and and, and you know, we have friendships, uh, but the only fellowship that we have with people sometimes is just the common denominator of Jesus Christ and the gospel that we both receive Jesus Christ through. And so, so it was a big deal uh, that I could that I could nail down in my heart because you know I get tired I get tired of of um, I get tired of having to uh, come to the place to where I've got to find a common denominator with everybody in the church that doesn't have anything to do with with anything that I particularly enjoy doing. That's really stupid for me. I don't like to do that. I'm not real good. I'm not real good when it comes to that. So what 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 is the actual thing God calls us to do? Well, our fellowship should be around the gospel. Like and, and then when it ain't around the gospel, then you know, I don't know. It, it it's almost you know, it's almost a carnal deal, right? Like like it's okay to have carnal. Car- all carnal things are not bad. Somebody say amen right there. <laughs> like all carnal things are not bad. They're only bad when they take precedence over spiritual things. Like, like it's okay to go and have a good time uh, doing something that, you know, uh, you know we, we do all kinds of stuff. We hunt and fish and, 
and uh, you know I enjoy softball I, you know there's a lot of things that I enjoy doing that uh, you know if they took precedence over spiritual things then they would become they would become sinful right well I'm very grateful for the fact that we have fellowship uh, that we can have fellowship uh, strictly and purely based off the gospel and so um, you know, I talked about that for the first week, and, and then we 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 dealt with a we dealt with a couple more uh, we dealt with a couple more in terms. Last week was was a big one in terms of our joy being produced by how we magnify Christ in our life, and we magnify Christ in our life through our death, and and then we looked at how we magnify Christ in our life. Uh, we magnify Christ in our life, and how we can magnify the Lord even in our death, and and that was kind of for some people like man, I. I don't know about that, but, uh, and then, you know, uh, we magnify the Lord through our life and how we live our life. Um, you know, you're always going to be presented different opportunities to magnify Jesus Christ. And sometimes that will be in how you view death and what you look, how you look at death. And then other times it's going to be just in how you live your life. And, and, and it is a big deal that you, you and me get to the place to where we live like the Apostle Paul. And, and we say, you know, hey, for me to live is Christ. That our life is Christ. That everything about our life, it is Jesus Christ. And, and so it, I'm not saying it's an easy place to get to. I'm saying that as we mature and we walk with Jesus Christ, that's what we've got to be about. Why? Well, because that's the only way we're going to have the opportunity uh, to share the gospel. We're going to talk about that a little bit tonight. That our life, if our life doesn't amount to what we preach, okay? If, what, if our life doesn't equal what we preach with our words, then we're not going to have an opportunity to preach the gospel. Does that make sense? Like we don't have, you, you say, well, I should still be able to preach God. They don't work like that. The world is not looking for a person that can preach. The world is looking for a person that can live. Now look, I'm not for lifestyle evangelism either. Why? Because lifestyle evangelism doesn't ever actually preach words. Okay? Uh, you, how shall they hear without a preacher? Amen? They can't hear the gospel without a preacher. Somebody say amen right there. Okay? You, you don't get lifestyle evangelism equaling out to the gospel being preached. Now, the con and, and we're going to, I'm getting ahead of myself, but we, we have to get this idea that they, uh, I, 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 I've got to, my life and my words have to match up. Amen? Okay? Uh, so look at uh, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27. Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 27. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may, uh, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit, having uh, with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident, evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, uh, having, the same, having the same affliction which you saw in me, 
and now here, uh, and now here to be in you. Uh, look, look, let's pray. Lord, I pray that you bless tonight. I pray God that you use it. Um, God, I pray that you help us as just regular people. God, to come to the place to where we can reconcile, Lord, that the gospel has got to be preached and it's got to be it's got to be seen in our life before we can preach it with our mouths. And and I pray, God, that you help us and uh, God that you you take this time, Lord, as as a group uh, of believers that want to glorify you and they want to see you magnified in their life. In Jesus' name, Amen. Uh, so, so this idea, uh, I, I want you to look in verse twenty-seven. It says, "Only let your conversation, only let your conversation." Now, now it's interesting that Paul uh, has just spent twenty-six verses and uh, in talking about the gospel and about the gospel being lived out and the gospel being preached, and then. All of a sudden, he rounds this thing off when we get to verse 27. He says, only. He, he uses this word only. Only let your conversation be as, as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Now, uh, when we look at this word conversation here in, in, uh, in verse number 27, uh, it, it, means, it literally means a life that is lived out. Now, there's only two places... Uh, that this particular word is used in this context in your Bible, and and the other one, it, it, the other way it's translated in your Bible, it literally means lived, lived out, a life lived out. So this word conversation here is is talking about a life that is being lived out. It's not talking about a language. It's not talking about a spoken word. It's talking about a life that is doing the talking for us. Does that make sense? Uh, what, 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 how many of you understand that we can say all that we want to say, but but the talking that a life lives in is, is 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 leaps and bounds above just what we can say. Okay, so 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 there's 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 a lot of us that if we're not careful, we have the propensity. To want to preach things that our life don't really have the ability. What, what is it? Uh, we're, we're, we're writing checks that our life can't cash. Does that make sense? We're writing checks with our mouth that our life can't cash. And that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Why? Well, but. Because it, 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 it's, it's a big deal because it brings shame to the name of Jesus Christ. Now look, we know the word of God ain't going to return void. And praise the Lord that you're, you, you have the ability and you have the, the opportunity and you have the will to preach. But, but more than that, we should get to a place to where we sanctify ourselves in such a way that our life has the ability to cash the check that we're preaching. Right? Like our life ought... Like we ought to be able, our lives ought to be able to stand trial on what we're pro Well, how does it do that? Well, it, it, it let our conversation should be as it becometh the gospel. Like as it becometh the gospel of Christ. The most, the most powerful influence for the, for the gospel actually isn't a sermon or, or a song or a book. It's a life that practices what it preaches. It's a life that practices what it preaches. 
So, so if, if that is the most important and most influential thing uh, in terms of the gospel, then the other, hand would, the other hand would be the negative, right? The polar opposite would be the negative, okay? Well, that would be one of the most damaging things. The most damaging thing would, would be a person that would preach one thing, right? And then their life say something completely different. It would be a person that would that would preach the gospel, but then they they they'd be liars, right? Now, now we all know repentance is a big deal, and, and hey, repentance in 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 earnest humility, in realizing that we were wrong in some areas. Hey, there ain't nothing wrong. You know, one of the biggest things I think a lot of people forget is that you know apologies sometimes are just the thing that you need to do to your to your peoples. Like it's okay to go to the people that you work with and go to the people that you're friends with and say, hey guys, I just need you to know I've been a hypocrite and I'm, I'm, I'm going to work really hard uh, and submit myself to the Lord and, and not being a hypocrite no more. I've been, I've been saying something that wasn't real in my life. And I realize that, and I, I want to change that. Why? Because you're doing more, we're doing more damage than we are good by saying one thing and doing another. It's better to not say anything, actually. Why? Well, it brings a great reproach upon the name of Christ when we do that. Why? Because one of the most powerful influences is a, is a life that practices what it preaches. And, and then on the other hand, it, the, the, one of the most damaging things is a life that, that appears consistent, that doesn't appear consistent with what we say we believe. And I, I have people come to me all the time. And, and I, I'm not, I don't back down from it, but I have people come to me all the time looking for counseling, asking advice. And, you know, it's not because I'm a good counselor. Sometimes I think it's just because they know I'll tell them because they feel like I'd tell myself the same thing. Like, for real. We got to become people that aren't afraid to tell ourselves what we need to hear. And in turn, we would tell those, those around us would come to us because they know that we would, we'd be honest enough with ourselves to hear the same thing. You see, I think a lot of times people won't come to us because they're afraid. We're so prideful about all the things we know that we can't get humble enough to realize that we don't know anything. Right? Hey, that's a big deal. Yeah, hey, that's a big deal. Hey, look, look, look at Romans uh, there in your outline. Uh, Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16, verse uh, 2. They receive her in the Lord's time of Phoebe. They receive her in the Lord. As becometh saints. So, so we're, the Bible's talking about receiving Phoebe in the Lord. As becometh, you ready? As becometh saints. Okay, 
Everybody tracking with me here? There is a there is a way to receive brothers and sisters in Jesus. This is this is what Paul's dealing with right here. That there was this woman loved Jesus Christ. All right, I, I want you to receive her. I want you to receive her in the Lord as becoming saints. So there is an there is an ideology here that we need to pick up on. There's a way to look like a saint. And it's our conversation of life. Does that make sense? Okay. Look, 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 look what uh, Colossians 1 and verse 10 says. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So how do I walk worthy of the Lord? What does my walking worthy of the Lord look like? Well, one, it's pleasing to the Lord, right? So, so how do I, how do I let, how, how do, how does my, how, how does my, how does the conversation of my life, how does it become the gospel, becometh the gospel of Christ? How does it work itself into being the gospel of Christ? Well, it's pleasing unto the Lord, is what Colossians one and verse ten says. And then it's, you ready You ready for this one? It's being fruitful in every good work. It's producing fruit. Well, I want the conversation of my life to, to, to fall out to the gospel, to, become, uh, to be a part of, uh, of becoming the gospel. Well, it's going to have to be pleasing unto the Lord for one. And then it's going to have to be fruitful. It's going to have to produce fruit. And then, and then, you ready for this one? It's going to have to increase in the knowledge of God. Not about God. Not, not, not things pertaining to God. No, no. I, we've got to get to the place to where we know God. You can know all about God, but, but if we don't increase in knowledge of God, man, we miss the mark, right? My, the, most, the, the most sincere times in my life are not when I'm learning more. It's when I'm learning more about God. It's, not when, I, it's when I'm learning more about who I am and who God is. It's about when God's nailing me to the wall about me. It ain't got nothing to do with, with learning more. It, it, you know, and I, we say this a lot because there ain't nothing wrong with podcasts. But we, I think we overdose on knowledge so much so that we forget that God wants us to know more about Him. And the key to knowing more about God is to get into the place where we can see about us a lot. I want you to look. Look at the next part of that verse. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. So, so he's getting in their business. He wants to hear their affairs. And what is the thing he wants to hear? That you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. So, so, so Paul's, Paul's encouragement to this church is don't get divided. Don't get divided. 
Don't, don't, let thing, don't let something divide you off of this one thing. Don't be divided by, by a bunch of little crazy things. Don't be divided by preference. Don't be divided by all the little things that are going on in life. But don't get divided. So, so how do we not get divided? Well, look what he says. That you stand fast in one spirit. That you stand together in one spirit. That we stand together in one spirit. Now, I want you to make sure you understand this. The world knows absolutely nothing about unity. While all they're doing right now is preaching about unity. You think about it. The world as we know it is so worried about unity. And they know absolutely nothing about unity. They talk about unity. They have marches and they have walks about unity. They bring in people to speak about unity. But they have a problem. What is the problem? Individualism is the problem. Everybody's got to be individualized nowadays. Like individualism rules the world we live in. But you think about it. Who cares what others need? I got to do what's best for me. I got to do what's best for me and I got to do what's best for mine. You know, I'm, I I'm do this whole softball deal with the girls and, and it just so happens that that I really enjoy college softball, probably just because they do. I don't, I don't know. It's becoming a bigger thing, and it's getting a lot more uh, com- competitive. And but it's an interesting thing when when college softball uh, let let the let uh, opened itself up to the transfer portal, which is just mind blowing to me. Um, but it really it really it really struck home with me how how much unity had been taken out of everything when you took a girls' sport like college softball. And look, I, I, I know it because I'm in the insides, in the inner workings, but, but girls, man, they're different. They need a team that they know's got their back and that loves them. We don't have, we don't have a whole lot of, like, like A one ball players, like D, we don't have a, we don't we're not the group that's got all of the ball players that are best. You, you know what we do better than anything? We play as a team. That's what we do better than everybody else does. We play as a team. We we know the goals that we have. We have certain things that we strive for, and we 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 accomplish those things, and we win ball games. And when we win ball games, we win tournaments. And that's a big deal for our for our girls. We we what we do we do really well. But we don't. I mean, you see, my girls, they're you know they're small. They're they're not what most colleges are looking for. And 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 so what they have to have is a group behind them. When we when we had tryouts this year, do you think she, every single girl? Do you think she'd be a good fit for our team? Why? Because they would rather have good. They would rather have mediocre ball players play for them in their. This is their last year. They would rather have mediocre ball players play for them that are team players than they had excellent ball players that were going to be a hindrance to the team. Why? Because unity matters more. Unity matters more than superstars. 
Well, when the, the transfer portal opened up, man, I, I saw for this girls' sport, I started seeing girls bail out left and right and go into places where they could win championships, to go into places where they could win rings. Now, here's what I'll say. It's weird, even in churches, I watch people bail out and they head for places that are going to give them rings. Why? Because they weren't team players to begin with. It just took several years for them to reveal that they wasn't on a team. Does that make sense? Like you wonder sometimes, you wonder why people bail? It's because they didn't start out team players. They wasn't on a team to begin with. They were on their team. You just didn't know it. You just couldn't see it. And so eventually their motives come out and they're like, no, I'm not a, I don't want to play on this team no more. Why? Well, because I wasn't really a team player to begin with. So here's what happens. If you don't make some people big enough deals, they got to go somewhere where they are. And this ain't a place where you're going to be a big deal. This ain't a place where I'm going to be a big deal. Like the next dude that comes in here, he's got to be okay not being a big deal. He's got to be okay knowing he's just he's going to be a normal guy. And he's just going to do his thing and he's going to open the Bible and he's going to preach it and, and that's going to be what it is. Why? Well, because that's not what it's about. In the moment we make it about that, we've caved to the societal norms of modern Christianity. And then we're, we're wrong. Could we, build, build, could we build a bigger place? Yeah, we could do that. But, but do you want to build bigger places or do you want, to, you want to be obedient to the Lord? Man, unity is a weird thing in the church. Because the unity that we were supposed to have was supposed to be in one spirit. Not in a name, not in, not in what we think, but in one spirit. Now, now I, I want you to look, I want you to look what Paul says. Paul, Paul says, to stand fast in one spirit. Now, when you, when you hear that, why would, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe you're not like me, but here's what I think. Why would Paul tell us to stand fast? Well, this idea of, of standing fast means to get a good foothold. Why? Because there's going to be some things that are going to come against your unity. There's going to be some things that come against our unity. It means to stand fast and to not be moved. Don't be moved. Stand fast in one spirit. Don't be moved to stand fast to, 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 to stand in something besides this one spirit. Don't be, don't be tricked into thinking that you can stand fast in your preferences and everything be okay. Don't be tricked into thinking that we can, we can stand fast into accommodating and coddling people because that ain't okay. Here's what we got to stand fast. We got to stand fast in one spirit. He told the Corinthian church to, to, to do it like this in, in, uh, in 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 13. It's in your outline. Watch ye stand fast in the faith. 
quit ye like men, be strong. You know what he's telling this Corinthian church? In the very first part of the letter, he told them that they were a bunch of babies and they couldn't eat strong meat and that they needed milk. And so we get to chapter 16, he said, quit ye like men. Quit being a bunch of babies. Act like men. That's what he's saying. Here's what you need to do. You need to stand fast in the faith. Quit acting like a bunch of girls. Quit acting like a bunch of big babies and be men and stand fast in the faith and do your thing. Does that make sense? You say, man, that's a real easy preaching. It is until you just get it in your gut that, man, I'm, I'm done. I, listen, I done come too far to turn around now. I, 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 you know, I don't know if bullheadedness is a spiritual characteristic or not. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it is or not. Sometimes I wonder if I'm more bullheaded than I am standing fast. But here's what I do know. Bullheadedness and standing fast seem like a, a real close kind of thing. They seem like they, they could be, uh, could go hand in hand. Here's what i got to ask myself the question of. Am I, is my motive right in being bullheaded? Am I standing fast in one spirit? Am I standing fast in the faith? That's what you got to ask yourself. There, there's some things that you just got to plant your feet in the ground and you say, you know what, we're, we're, we're not going nowhere. And number one, I ain't got nowhere to go to. But we're not going anywhere. Look, look what happened in, in, the, in the church of Thessalonica. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all of our affliction and distress by your faith. So, so you ready for this? Paul is comforted in, in, in all, of, all of his affliction and all of his distress by the, churches, the church at Thessalonica's faith. Verse 8 says, For now we live, you stand fast in the Lord. So Paul, in all of his affliction, in all of his, all of his distress, he was comforted by the faith of the Thessalonica, at the church at Thessalonica. Why? Why? Because they stood fast in the Lord. And there ain't nothing more encouraging to other brothers and sisters in Christ when, when other brothers and sisters in Christ stand fast in the Lord. They're just like, yeah, we're, we're, here we are. We're not going to work. Paul says, listen, don't get divided. Stand fast in one spirit. And then, and then, he, <clears throat> and he says, with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. And I wrote there in your outline, striving together, not with each other. Striving together, not with each other. So, the easiest way to build unity is together for the faith of the gospel. It's the easiest way to build unity. Again, I say it again. It's not on other things that we build unity. 
it, it, the easiest way to build unity is together for the faith of the gospel. It's the easiest way to build it, okay? The faith of the gospel that they were striving for was in the context of evangelism. Now, I know, I, I don't know where we are in terms of, of taking that step in sharing the gospel. But here's what I know. They, the, the, the context that we're talking about from chapter number 1 was the context of evangelizing people. Okay, Taking the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection to those people. And because they were taking the gospel to those people, they were brought together, striving together with one mind. All right, let's do this thing together. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to strive together for the faith of the gospel. It's a big deal. Why is it a big deal? Well, because it brings us together. That's what happens. It brings you and me together. It brings us to a place to where, oh, we're both striving for the same thing. Right? That's a, that's a huge deal. Okay? Look at the next one. Uh, look, 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 don't get divided. Look at the next one. Don't be scared. Don't, get, don't, don't be scared. Don't get scared. Don't be scared. That's a little, 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 little phrase uh, we used to use when growing up. You get neck deep in something, and man, it wasn't no time to get scared now. Like, anybody ever, anybody ever got halfway in something and had one of your buddies turn and say, Don't look, the time to be scared was before we started this thing. We're halfway through it. Don't, don't be scared now. Yeah, we, we in too deep now. Like, uh, you know, it done got serious. Now ain't the time to be retreating, boys. <laughs> it's, it's time to press in. Look, look, at, look at verse 28. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries. And in nothing terrified by let, let's let's read the let's read the whole thing together. Uh, verse twenty seven. Go back to verse twenty seven. Only let your conversation be as it, as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else I, or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, uh, that you stand fast in one spirit uh, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Here it is. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident, evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. Now, now, now get this. You, you are going, there, there's, something that you need, there's something that you need to nail down in your life. Lost people and saved people are going to have adversaries. You're going to have adversaries, lost or saved. You're going to have adversaries. Now, here's, here's where me and you are. As Christians, God's called us. Here, here it is. When we let our life becometh the gospel. Paul, Paul, Paul says, 
that you're standing fast in this one spirit and that you're striving with this one mind together for the faith of the gospel. You ready? Don't get scared. Don't be scared. And in nothing terrified of your adversaries. Why? Well, because you're going to have adversaries. I know for sure three. I know for sure three. One, one of them is the world. The world is against us. All that's in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. I know for sure that, that one of them is the world. First John uh, chapter 5, chapter 3. One of them for sure is the world. Uh, the other one is the devil. We, we, we dealt with this uh, uh, in, in uh, Foundations 2 on, on Monday night. Uh, th that we've got to be sober and be vigilant. Why? Because the devil, our adversary as a roaring lion, is seeking whom he may devour. Okay? The devil is for sure my adversary, right? But then I have the biggest problem of them all. <laughs> that dude that stares back in the mirror at me. I for sure have three. But here's what, here's what I think we felt sometimes our adversary uses adversaries that he know will he knows will get us. And so so Paul says in and in nothing terrified by your adversaries which is to them an evident token of perdition but to you of salvation and that of God. Uh, look, look at Isaiah 51. He says hearken unto me you know, uh, ye that know righteousness, the people in whose heart is my law, fear ye not the reproach of men, neither be, be ye afraid of their revilings. First Thessalonians chapter 2 and, and verse number 2 says it like this, But even after that, when ye had suffered before, were shamefully, shamefully entreated. As you know at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God. You ready? With much contention. 1 Peter chapter 3 says, and, and who is he that will harm you? If you be followers of that which is good, but ye, but and if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled, but God, uh, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So, so First Peter, man, listen. The deal is when we suffer, happy are we. Well, I'm not happy when I suffer. Well, here's what I, what I think that we miss. When we're not terrified by our adversaries, when we're not terrified, when we're not scared, when we're not scared by our adversaries, here it is. You ready? There's a couple of things that encourage me in this whole deal. It's, a, it's an evident token of my own salvation. When, I, when I, I'm not worried about my adversary, look what the Bible says, which is to them an evident token of perdition, you ready? But to you of salvation, 
It's, a, it's, a, it's an evident token in me of my own salvation. And not only my own salvation, but the salvation that is to come. The ultimate salvation that is to come to me. Listen, there, there's some things that, how many of you understand? We just shouldn't be scared by. Why? Because we have been saved. And you ready? But because, and because ultimate salvation is on its way. You, you've, not, you've not received the ultimate salvation that you're one day going to receive in your glorified body. And so Paul so hey, don't be scared. Why? Well, First Timothy said God ain't giving you a spirit of fear. He's not giving you a spirit of fear. Now look in the context. It's in your notes. Uh, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Now we quote this thing all the time and we should. Amen. That's a, that's a good verse to quote. But of power and of love and of a sound mind. You ready? You ready for the biggest part of the context here? Verse 8. Be not there, uh, thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. So most of our fear, the spirit of fear, comes as a direct result that we are ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. What is the testimony of our Lord? The death, the burial, and the resurrection. That's His testimony. Be thou, but be thou partakers of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. There's afflictions that come with the gospel, but they're according to the power of God. And he says, don't, you, you, God hadn't given you, God didn't give you that spirit of fear. When you wanted to witness to that person that you wanted to witness to, and listen, here's what we're saying. Remember, gospel, there is a there is a joy that comes from the gospel and sharing the gospel. And Paul says, uh, Paul says to young Timothy, Don't, don't, God didn't give you a spirit of fear, Timothy. When, when it's time to stand up, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. What did he give you? What did he give you? What, he gave you power and, and, and of love and of a sound mind. That's what he gave you. So, 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 so stand up with the power. Stand up with love in your heart and stand up with a clear, sound mind. And I want you to preach the gospel. Why? Because it's according to the power of God. That's what he called us to do. You know what else is crazy? Uh, when you, you look at this deal, which is to them an evident token of perdition. Uh, that, that, that is uh, another word for destruction. So when you share the gospel, you know what's bad? When you share the gospel, you are, you are giving those you shared the gospel with an evident token of their destruction. Like it's a two-way street. You're telling them, hey, listen, if you don't, if you don't accept Jesus Christ, you're going to die and go to hell. And you're like, well, nobody likes to do that. Well, no, duh. Nobody likes to tell other people they're dying and going to hell. If you, if you do, you're a weirdo. 
You got more problems than, than look, I, now I will say I've heard preachers stand up and preach on hell, and I'm wondering, man, I think they're, they're enjoying this. They sound like they are enjoying the fact that there's people going to hell. You shouldn't enjoy that. But when you preach it, it is an evident token of perdition to them. Let me give you a couple more things and, and I'll finish up here. <clears throat> Look in verse 29. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on Him. Ready? Not, not only for when you believe but also to suffer for His sake but also to suffer for his sake. Here's what happens. If you can be encouraged by this tonight, be encouraged by it. If you can't, man, seek the Lord. Because I'm encouraged by this. It took me a long time to get here. But suffering with Christ is a gift. It's a gift to those that will suffer with Christ. Why? Because there's only a certain fellowship that you can have in suffering. There's, one, there's a kind of fellowship that you get with Christ that only comes through suffering for His namesake. And, and, look, and you say, man, well, that's a dirty little trick He played on us. I want whatever fellowship He's got. Whatever fellowship he has for me is what I want. And, and if, it's at the, if it's at the price of suffering, then, then so be it. <coughs> 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 11 says, Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know, who, I know whom I have believed. And am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 5 says, For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounded by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings, which we also suffer, or whether we be comforted. It is for your consolation and salvation. Now, I, I don't know how much you know about the underground church that's in China. 
There's a huge underground church in China. I'm, I'm, I mean huge. Um, there's like, like 1.3 billion people in China. There's like a 1.5 million person underground church, not in one place, obviously, underground church in China. You say, well, that's, that's a small percentage. Well, here's, here's the problem. It, if you get called in China, being a Christian, it's automatic three years. It's an automatic three years. If, if, if you are, a, uh, are, are somebody that comes in and preaches the gospel in China, you, and you get caught, you're automatically, like if I was to go, you're automatically deported out of the country. There, there's a guy that, there's a guy that went to, to preach, and uh, he preached uh, to some pastors in China, and they're, they're like, man, when you, when he taught them, and you know, he's like, man, uh, he got done, he's like, man, they should really be teaching me. Uh, but he gets done, and he, 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 he says, I, they say, I want you to pray for us. And he said, what do you want us to pray for? And, and the guy, the, the Chinese pastors were like, we want you to pray that we will have the same thing that you in America has. We want to have the same freedoms that you have to worship. And the, uh, the American pastor said, I'm not praying for that. Five minutes earlier or so, uh, they they had a they they was passing out Bibles and uh, one of the Bibles are really scarce. He had fifteen Bibles and I think there was twenty five or so pastors in the room. The pastors were handing off Bibles when he would say the passage that they were going to be in. The he, they would they, he would say the passage and they'd be like so they'd hand the the they'd hand the Bible off. Well, it turns out. When the passage that he was preaching out, out of, um, the pastors, there were several of the pastors in the room had memorized the whole book. The book of the Bible that he was preaching out of. And they memorized it in prison after they had gotten locked up. And, and he went to him and he asked him, he said, why didn't, you, why didn't you open the Bible? He said, oh, I already memorized that. I didn't, I didn't need to open the Bible, I already memorized that passage. And he, you know, and he, he thought to himself when, when they asked for, when they asked him to pray for them that they could become like America, he's like, no, we're, we're not praying for that here. He said, man, I don't know if you know this or not, but every American, the, the average American family has two Bibles per family. And nobody reads them. The average American church gathers twice a week. And he said, two or three percent go. He said, why would I pray for you to become like America? He said, what we're going to pray about is for America to become like you. And you know what's crazy? The dearest relationships you'll ever form are people that you suffered with. You think about that. 
the dearest relationships you've ever formed are the ones that you you suffered with. Why in the world we think that it would be any different suffering with Jesus Christ? You see, I think we've got to get our perception fixed in on, on what's real. Verse 30, he says, Having the same conflicts which you saw in me and now here to be in me. The Philippians had the same kind of conflict that Paul had uh, amongst themselves in Philippi. They, they faced the same thing Paul, Paul faced when he was locked up in Rome. The, the conflict of the Philippians uh, concerned the, the difficulties of walking right with the Lord and proclaiming the gospel when they were persecuted and under attack. And Paul's like, hey, here's, here's what you need to know. You need to know that the sufferings that I'm facing in Christ are the same ones that you're facing. Listen, man, our consolation is the same. It's Jesus Christ. And it's given in the behalf of Christ. Not only to believe on Him, to believe on him but to also suffer for His name's sake, for His sake. You know... How would I suffer in, in, in the day and age in which we live? Here's what I'll say. If you are faithful to preach the gospel, you are going to suffer. And if you don't, you're probably not preaching the gospel. Amen? All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you uh, for tonight. And thank you for being faithful to us. And um, thank you for just being good in the fact, Lord, that Lord, you, you've given us way more than we deserve. And uh, Lord, you've given us way more freedom than, than we can actually be accountable to. Uh, Lord, I, I say it all the time in raising kids, Lord, that, that I can't give my kids more freedom than they can be accountable for. And God, I, I pray, Lord, that you help us see in the church, Lord, you help us see in our lives, God, that, Lord, we've been given way more freedom than we could be accountable to. Uh, God, I pray that you help us to see, Lord, that you've called us to live a life that is suffering for Christ's name's sake. Lord, it is super hard to be a part of the sufferings of Christ. Lord, sometimes we, we don't understand it and we want to point fingers and we want to we want to list out all the reasons that we've been wronged. And, and God, in reality, if we'd fall on our knees and suffer the right way, God, there'd be fellowships that we'd never had before. Lord, it's, it's not a time to point fingers when we're suffering with Jesus Christ. It's a time to fall out in honest and humble submission before the Lord. And thank Him that we had the opportunity to suffer in the middle of this. 
Lord, I pray that you bless us and God that you help us to see, God, that there is a, there is a, there is a path to fellowship that we've never known before. And God, I pray that you bless tonight. I pray, God, that you're honored by it. And I pray, God, that you grow us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, praise the Lord.